Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown Campus. I'd like to welcome all of the University of Tennessee fans who woke up thinking that they had a bad dream and they woke up and realized it was true. Yesterday's games is a little testimony that miracles still happen. <laughs> Let me gloat just a little bit. I don't want to gloat too much because pride comes before a fall. And so I'm just going to be humble in my celebrations. Speaking about celebrations, you know, Patty and I, through the years, uh, we've had certain television programs that we've just kind of gone all in on. And one of those would be Everybody Loves Raymond. We've probably seen every episode several times over. And if you were to ask Patty, you said, you know, what's your favorite episode of Everybody Loves Raymond? She's going to quickly tell you, oh, it's the Thanksgiving one. It's the Thanksgiving one when, uh, when Deborah's parents are coming over. She's cooking uh, Thanksgiving uh, dinner. She gets up. Um, and then Raymond gets up to pick a fight with her on Thanksgiving morning. Take a look at this. You listen. If my parents lit an orphanage on fire on Christmas Eve, they wouldn't be as bad as your parents. Huh? Yeah. Drop the turkey. wondered where the flavor came from. I'll tell you, we've seen that over and over. We laugh every time. There's just something about that for sure. This week, we're going to be gathering with our friends and family members, and we're going to be gathering around the Thanksgiving table. I read this past week that the Farm Bureau uh, Federation uh, assesses the cost of Thanksgiving meals. And they said this year prices have gone up. In fact, it'll be $60 for a, a group of 10 people to eat at your house. And I'm thinking like, $60? What world are you living in? We can't even hardly buy a turkey for that. And so anyway, uh, I hope you have a wonderful time this week. You know, when I think about Thanksgiving, this tradition started even back as far back as 1621 when they had a... They gathered together to thank God for his blessings on our nation. Some years later, George Washington, our first president, in November 1789, said, As a public thanksgiving and a prayer to be observed by acknowledging our grateful hearts, the many and signal favors of Almighty God. America is a great country 
And I believe it's the greatest country in the world today because our forefathers put God first. They made it a point. They recognized that they needed a power that's greater than themselves. They recognized that it was truly God's grace that had been shed on him. They recognized the importance of one nation under God. And so today, we celebrate Thanksgiving to remind us to thank God for his blessings. We celebrate Thanksgiving to remind us to thank God for his blessings. Now, the concept of a Thanksgiving meal is not just an American tradition. The concept of a Thanksgiving meal goes all the way back to the Bible. It goes back thousands of years. And the reason it's important is because God knows that we have a short attention span. God knows that we have a tendency to forget too quickly. And so God created memorials to help remind us of his blessing. And one such memorial in the scripture is the Passover meal. The Passover meal was celebrated on an annual basis to remind the Hebrew people about their escape from slavery in Egypt. Maybe you know the story. God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go free from slavery. Now, Pharaoh and Moses uh, met several times, and he just ignored this request. But then God sent 10 plagues on that country uh, as a way to encourage him to let them go. But each, after each plague, plague uh, Moses would go, and Pharaoh would push him away, say, no, no, no. That is until the last plague. The angel of death moved over the land and killed the firstborn of every family. And in preparation for this final plague, Moses told his people to kill a lamb and place the blood over the doorpost. And when the angel saw the blood, he passed over the houses. Now, the historical context from this comes from Exodus chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is the day you're to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival unto the Lord, a lasting ordinance. As a result of the blood of the lamb, the people of God were spared that night. But notice in that verse, it says, from the generations that is to come, that you must celebrate this as a festival to the Lord. Here's how they did that. They would gather together once a year, and they would have a meal together, and they would, first of all, start off the meal by eating bitter herbs. Now, this eating of the bitter herbs was to remind them that they were enslaved, to remind them that, uh, that they were slaves in Egypt. And then they would eat sweet honey. And that is to be a symbol of God's goodness and God's grace to them. So let's fast forward 15, uh, 1,400 years later. It was during this celebration during the Passover week that Jesus met with his disciples and ultimately changed the Passover meal to the Lord's Supper. You see, it was during the Passover meal, every family would gather and they would have an empty chair. 
And that empty chair represented the Messiah. They said, one day a Messiah is coming, and we're going to leave room at our table for the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. And so when he met with his disciples that Passover week of A.D. 33, he as our Messiah, he is the Lamb of God, he came to take away our sins and to set us free. Here's the point. Jesus went to the cross to defeat what enslaves you. Jesus went to the cross to defeat what enslaves you. It was God's plan for Jesus to be offered up during Passover week to pay for our mistakes, to give us spiritual power to live every day. And hours before he met Hours before he went to the cross, he met with his disciples, and we see this story unfold in Luke chapter 22, begin reading with verses 14 through 20. It says, when the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again and till its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he says, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. For thousands of years, believers just like you and me, the church has gathered together in services just like this and celebrated Holy Communion. In some churches, we call it the Lord's Supper. In other churches, it's called the the Eucharist. But we reenact the story of the crucifixion of Jesus' death. Here's the point. Communion uses bread as a symbol for Jesus' body and the cup as a symbol for his blood. On the night that before he was crucified, he met with these disciples and he took that bread. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. I want you to remember this. When you take the bread, I want you to think about this. I want you to remember what we experienced together. I want you to remember our life. I want you to remember my body. And Jesus was telling them about the things that were about to happen. In essence, when they looked back, he said, I want you to remember the crown of thorns. I want you to remember the stripes on my back. I want you to remember that my side was pierced with a sword. My body was broken for you. I want you to remember how much you're loved. Then he took a cup and he filled it. And had all of them drink it. He said, this cup is the new covenant. The Passover is the old covenant. This is the new covenant of my blood. And and it's poured out for you. And uh, as often as you drink of this cup, I want you to think about this. I want you to remember. Don't forget it. 
Now, when the Jewish folks used the word remembrance, it was different than the word that we think about today. It's a much stronger word. It's not a passive word or a sentimental remembering. It was the idea of a reenactment. It meant going through the event again. Just like the Jews in the Old Testament reenacted the Passover, the believers in the New Testament reenacted the Last Supper. And so for 2,000 years, we have been doing this as believers. Now, I can imagine when Jesus said this to those disciples, and just put yourself in their place. He said, I want you to remember, and they're probably thinking, we're not going to forget Come on, Jesus. I mean, we've, we've, we've gone through this experience with you. We've watched you heal sick people. We've watched you raise dead people like Lazarus. We've, we've, we've been it. We're, we will never forget. But the problem is, is we do forget. We have this tendency to forget. All of us forget. At times, I forget that I am forgiven. I get weighed down by guilt. You know how it feels. There's this pit in your stomach that, uh, that you get when you know that you have done something wrong. And, and then to that guilt, then walks through the door shame, and then you, you're weighed down by this guilt and shame. And it's in those moments I need to come to the table. It's in those moments that I need to remember that I have been forgiven. I am free. Sometimes I, I'm forget that I'm a servant, for I live my life, and I want other people to serve me. I, I want every peop, uh, other people to, uh, to serve me, and I forget that I am called to serve others. I'm forgetting that Jesus washed people's feet, and Jesus suffered and died, and I need to remember that I am called to love God, to love people, and to serve the world. Sometimes I forget I need to come to the table to be reminded that I'm a a servant. Sometimes I forget that I'm a part of a family. Maybe you do too. You ever feel alone? Feel like nobody understands you? And you forget that you're part of a family. Oh, not just an earthly family, but you're part of a spiritual family where you have uh, people who are brothers and sisters in the faith. And we come to the communion table as a church family, as a spiritual family, and we are reminded that we are not alone, that we are together in this. When it's done right, remembering is one of the most powerful things that a human can do. That's why you feel take videos and you feel digital frames and scrapbooks with snapshots and photos. Because you want to remember that. That's why seniors in high school, they get the yearbooks. And uh, as they have that that final week, they get their yearbooks. And they go to their friends and they said, I want you to sign my yearbook. In essence, what we're saying is, I don't want you to forget me. We'll never be in this classroom like this again but I don't want you to forget. There's something powerful in remembering. And we remember when we come to the table. The apostles knew that. Paul knew that. 
And he took communion with great seriousness. That's why he wrote these words in in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he says, So if anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. This phrase, in an unworthy manner, is just one word in the Greek. It's an adverb. It's not a noun. It's not an adjective. It's, it's talking about how you come to the table. There's a world of difference between thinking yourself as an unworthy person and how you come to the table. He said, it's different. You're never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. But this verse is talking about whether you come with an attitude of openness, where you come with an attitude of humility. You come with an attitude of, 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 um, of brokenness, and you say, God, I am not worthy. I need your grace. I'm depending on your grace. I'm humbly coming before you. And the more you can understand what grace is, you see, grace is what the scripture, uh, what theologians would say is unmerited favor. It is the favor of God resting on you and the favor that you haven't earned and the favor that you don't deserve. God loves you so much that he extends his favor to you. And so we come with humility and we surrender to him. And we understand that Jesus gave himself completely to give you a better life, a new start, and a fresh relationship with God. That Jesus gave himself completely to give you a better life, a new start, and a fresh relationship with God. This is the meaning of 1 Peter chapter 3 and 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, notice this, to bring you to God. Jesus is bringing you to God. He was put to death in his body so that you could be made alive in the spirit. Jesus gave his life so that we could be saved. We need to remember that. And so today, we are giving thanks Today is Thanksgiving Sunday, and we're giving thanks, and we're here to worship. And we understand that communion is not a ritual to revere, but it is a person to worship. It's not about just a ritual to revere and to honor, but it's about worshiping Jesus, honoring him thanking him, saying, God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you, Lord, for giving me power. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my church. I thank you for the gifts and the talents. We go through this, and we start to worship him and thank him for his favor and his blessings on our lives. And so that's what we do today. We thank him for what he has already done and what he's going to do. Because you see, communion reminds us to do that. Communion is also a reminder that Jesus is the one who provides all that we need.
Communion, when we come to the table, we realize and we are reminded that we have all that we need in Jesus. Jesus is the one who provides all that we need. So just think about that for a moment. You came into this auditorium, you came into our South Campus, our Grovetown Campus. Maybe you're watching online. Jesus came to save you, to meet your needs. So what is it that you need from the Lord today? He's here to supply. There are some of you that have never made a decision to follow Jesus. And today is your day to do that. Knowing that he's already paid the price. And so today is your day to surrender and to receive the gift, the free gift of forgiveness. Now, some of you, for whatever reason, you've just drifted away. At one point, you had a a deep faith, a genuine faith. But for whatever reason, you've just drifted. What do you need today? You need to come home. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus. You need to surrender to him. You need his power. You need his his help in your life. I want you to think about this as we prepare our hearts to respond to this message. Because, you see, today's message, it's not just a history lesson. It's just not just a biblical lesson. But it is a lesson that I want you to see yourself in that. When they, uh, in the Old Testament, when they did the Passover meals, they, they did those, the bitter herbs and, and the, the honey so that the people could see themselves as a slave in Egypt, and then experience and taste the goodness of the Lord. When we receive the bread and the cup, we are reminded that we have been redeemed. Jesus has paid the price. So, as what's your response to this message? The first one is this. If you're not saved, I'm going to pray in a few minutes. I want to pray that today is the day that you give your life to Jesus. The second thing is to those that have drifted away, I'm going to pray that you rededicate your life to Jesus. Now, in addition to those two, there's four other ways that we have an opportunity to respond to this message. First of all, we're going to receive communion to those that would like to do this. This is not a requirement. It's not a mandate. This is to those that feel prompted to do this. As you come forward, and what we'll do very practically, you'll come down uh, the center aisles at the Augusta campus. On the side aisles, those are reserved for candles, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but we'll come down these aisles and we'll receive communion. When we take the bread, we're reminding ourselves that his body was broken for us. When we dip it in the cup, we're reminded that his blood was shed so that our sins could be washed away. And so we are going to think about this. This is not something that we're just going to run through. But I want you to pause, and I want you to think about it. And maybe your thinking about it is, is saying, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. That's how you respond. Thank you for this. The second thing is, for those that need or would like to have prayer 
for healing. In each of our campuses, Grovetown South Campus and here, if you just come forward in the on each side of the stage, there'll be a prayer team member there. And what they will do is they will anoint you with oil and they'll pray a prayer of faith over you. We're going to simply do what the Lord says, what the Bible says. If there's any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so if you would like to have uh, an uh, prayer with anointing, then you can come uh, to each side of the stage and there will be a group of people who will pray over you for a specific need. The Lord's body was broken for our healing. If you look at the original word, sozo, in the Greek, it means salvation and the same word means healing. And so in the cross, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes. Some of you may be healed right as you take communion today. By his stripes, we are healed. The third thing, some of you may want to light a candle The candles are on the outside walls, and I would say that if you want to light a candle, use the outside aisles. Now, this tradition, um, when you light a candle, this is about praying a specific prayer. Lighting a candle is purely symbolic. The tradition started hundreds of years ago as a way to symbolize that Jesus Christ is the light of the world in a way to symbolize the active work of the Holy Spirit. And through the years, believers have lit candles during prayer as a way of focusing their prayers on a specific need. So you have this specific need. You light a candle and you you look and you say, Jesus, meet this specific need. And the fourth option that you have today is that you can go to the cross. And right by the cross, there are pieces of paper with a pen. And what I want you to do is that if you're struggling with something that you feel like is too big for you to handle, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's an issue, I don't know what it is, but this thing is weighing you down. It's like you wake up in the morning and you feel its pressure. I want you to to call it out. I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down and say, this is an issue. But understand that Jesus went to the cross for you and he defeated the devil on the cross. And so you write that down, and symbolically, you take a hammer and a nail, and you nail that piece of paper to the cross. And you say, Jesus, I am giving this over to you. I'm leaving it here. I'm going to walk in your power and walk in your spirit. And you've got to leave it there. Give it over. Let him handle that. And so very practically, you go and you nail that to the cross. 
And so those are the four options that you have at South Campus, at Grovetown, and here at Stevens Creek Road. Now I want to pray a prayer of dedication for you. And after this prayer of dedication, we will stand together in just a minute. And that as you feel prompted, that you respond to this message as you uh, as the Lord leads you to. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for this moment. And I pray for those here that have never made a decision to follow you, those maybe watching online, those in our campuses, that you're ready to be saved. And you pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, make me, say that, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. I give you my past and I trust you with my future. Save me today. And fathers, they pray, as the people are praying that prayer, I ask that you would do exactly that. Have mercy. To those that are rededicating their lives, God, have mercy. Now, Father, I ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive communion today. On the night when he was crucified, Jesus gathered with his friends and he took a piece of bread. And he said, I want you to do this. I want you to eat this bread on a regular basis. And as you do this, I want you to remember my body broken. And then he took the cup. He said, I want you to remember my blood poured out. I died so you could live. Luke 22 and 19 said, do this in remembrance of me. So Father, allow us to remember this. We pray this in sincerity, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.